All right. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. Good morning, Aurora. And good morning to all of you gentlemen. Uh, we appreciate you guys coming out to take your time with us on this Veterans Day. And happy Veterans Day to Thank each you. one of you. Thank you. All right. Um, what I'd also like to do in starting this off is, um, if we can, before we get to introductions of uh, who you guys are, I would like to uh, just talk about the Air Classic Museum. Please introduce uh, yourself, sir, and uh, talk about that. Okay. I'll start. Um, my name is uh, Bill Roth. I'm the treasurer of the Air Classics Museum. Um, our museum is a nonprofit 5013C, incorporated in 1992. And we're located out at Aurora Airport, southwest corner of the airport property. Um, and our, our open season for um, visitors is April through November in a normal year. <laughs> <laughs> All right, wonderful. And it's a great place. Been out there. Yeah. It's an absolutely lovely place. Yes, I've, Thank I've been you. there. Fun place. My oldest. Yeah. yeah. All right. Um, so. Getting into this, we're going to start uh, with yourself, sir. Please tell us who you are and where you are from. My name is Jim Davidson. I grew up in Aurora and North Aurora. I currently live in North Aurora. All right, awesome. Uh, I'm Hank Winkler. I'm originally, I grew up uh, in the uh, south side of Chicago, and presently I'm from Sugar Grove. Very cool. Okay. I'm Bill Roth. I grew up in Peoria and I moved up to Chicago in 1979 and I currently reside in St. Charles. Very cool. My name is Steve Ports. I actually grew up in Alliance, Ohio. I moved to the Chicago area in 1963 and now live in Aurora and have lived in Aurora now for 27 years. I'm Ken Kwiatkowski. I grew up in the city of Chicago, north side. Uh, last 26 years I resided in Wheaton. Very cool. So for those um, you've seen a little bit of Aurora, it's good morning Aurora, not good morning Wheaton, but good morning Wheaton today. <laughs> uh, you're familiar with uh, with Aurora, so this Aurora will have a little. This next question have a little bit of an Aurora theme to it. Um, talk about some of the changes that you guys have seen from past times in Aurora to present day. What's some of the big things that's uh, that have happened? I say, as I grew up. Aurora was a very large manufacturing center. There were factories everywhere in Aurora. Most of them are gone now, along with the jobs that they provided. Right. Nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> Chime in as you like, gentlemen. Chime I'd, in as you I'd like. say Aurora Fire at will. <laughs> Aurora is what is it? The second or third largest city in the state of Illinois. Yeah. I mean, it's more of a suburb now. You know go outside the city, you know, the the inner city limits and it's, you see a lot of more, you know, more modern homes, it's growing and it's growing fast and of course with that you get the large crowds and the traffic. Right. Um, I, I'm, I'm pleased that they're starting to improve the downtown, um, you know, it's looking a lot nicer than it did over the last few years. Uh, you, they have a gem of a, a theater in the, in the Paramount. And I've gone to plays there, and I really enjoy that. A lot of good stuff. Yeah, a lot, lot of good, good stuff, stuff taking place. Good food and everything yeah. going on down there. Yeah. Uh, now let's talk also about uh, about the service. So, raise your hands if you're veterans. All right. You two gentlemen, got a question for you. Uh, branch of service, sir. Uh, Army. Army. Navy. Navy. As the hat says right there. <laughs> Never again volunteer yourself. <laughs> <laughs> um, tell us about uh, the Navy. Tell us about your experience in the Navy. The Navy, um, well, I was in from 61 to 67. Uh, I was an aviation machinist mate. I worked on primarily on the A4C Skyhawk uh, tech, light attack aircraft. I uh, was attached primarily to VA-146, uh, world-famous Blue Diamonds, yay babes. Uh, and I made uh, three Westpac cruises that I w worked off the West Coast, and uh, Westpac is Western Pacific. Uh, two on a Constellation, one on a Ranger. Spent a little time on the Kearsarge, and uh, those were all aircraft carriers. Yeah. And, uh, 
I made uh, two combat tours to Vietnam, one on the Connie and one on the Ranger. And the Connie, for those that don't know, is the Constellation. Constellation. All right. And Both yourself? of which are razor blades now. Decommissioned? No, right. they're razor blades. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. Literally. Gotcha. <laughs> They've been, they, they tow them from uh, Bremington, Bremington, Washington. They're towed down to uh, Brownsville, Texas, I think it is. Mm -hmm. And that's where they're broken. Oh, wow. Yeah. But it's uh, harder and snap to find pictures of them taking carriers apart down there. Aerial pictures. There are some, but see what Google can find for us nowadays. <laughs> <laughs> Makes you cry a little bit. Yeah. Uh, and tell us about yourself, sir. Well, I was uh, drafted in August of '67 and went through basic, then infantry training, and arrived in Vietnam in March of '68, where I was assigned to the 101st Airborne Division. I was a uh, combat infantrymen with the 101st. We were fighting in the uh, rice paddies and hamlets in the northern part of South Vietnam. Uh, during that time, uh, I was wounded three times uh, out there fighting. I'm very fortunate that I'm still here today. Uh, I got out of the hospital the last time. Uh, I was transferred to a new uh, helicopter unit that was just forming where I flew door gunner on Hueys. And that's primarily why I joined the Air Classic Museum because they have two Hueys. Yes, they do. They do. So I enjoy spending time uh, on the open houses, that type of thing, uh, with the Huey telling people about it. Um, I think the the first time I saw the Huey, and we talked about this, um, was in one of the parades downtown Aurora. Uh, a friend of mine lived on those, uh, those nice townhomes up there on River Street, oh, yeah. and it was the gathering staging area down there, and he had a nice balcony view you could sit, and I was like, look at that, that's an impressive uh, impressive piece of machinery. Yeah. Yeah, very interesting. Well, they were the workhorse of Vietnam. There was other types of helicopters, but the Huey was the main workhorse yeah. over there, and it's the symbol of the Vietnam War. So um, I'd like to know from each of you guys um, what it is about the, uh, the Air Classic Museum that gives you the, the biggest amount of joy. Okay, and what it, what it, what, how it feels to you. All right, we'll start with you. I think it's probably seeing the, the look and the re reactions of the kids. Um, my, uh, when my son was, was younger and the air class, this was over at DuPage when he first came to the area, um, I had a lot of background in aviation and the Navy, because my dad was an aircraft mechanic at three carriers uh, in Korea. And so that had my interest, and then so I would be taking him to Air Classics, to Chanute, and a couple others on a weekly basis, and he would be enamored. We've seen in the, in the cockpits of the T-38 or, or in cockpits of F-4s and different things, and now he's a uh, corporate jet pilot, you know? So when I see parents <coughs> bringing their kids in, they're, they're looking at the Hueys, or looking at the, you know, uh, even at some of our replicas, things of that nature, and, and they're just so amazed by it. it. That's a real big plus for me because, you know, I, I've had personal experience of how exposing kids to the aircraft, to the, to the military, even just aviation in general, really pays off if you expose them early and, and present it in, in a nice educational way. Yeah. What? Well, my involvement, I'm, I'm pleased as I got introduced to the Air Classics Museum by a gentleman on a trip who was uh, had flown 39 missions on B-29s off Saipan by the name of Paul Linden. And through Paul, I got in introduced to the Air Classics Museum, and it excites me because I'm a history buff, and I've read quite a bit about a lot of the airplanes and the aircraft that we have there on display. And it's, uh, it, it's really tremendous to see the reaction of people when they come and not only see the aircraft, but the inside displays that we have that uh, are there for many of the veterans from the Fox Valley area. 
So it's, uh, it's, to me, it's very exciting. And also, having seen some of the veterans that we have had in some of our open houses that give their talks about their experiences and things like that. And uh, uh, it's just one of those things where you get around a lot of the veterans and hear their experiences. Uh, it's just phenomenal. I'm just pleased to be a part of it. Um, I joined Air Classics Museum in 1995 when it was still at DuPage Airport and we moved out to Aurora in 1998 and part of the reason I joined is I love history and with the museum I'm able to help preserve a lot of that in fact that's one of our slogans is preserving the dream and um, you know meeting a lot of these veterans um, it's it's really interesting to hear their stories and trying to capture that information in, in the pictures. Yeah. A lot of the veterans have shared their scrapbooks with me over the years and I've scanned them in so we have that that information saved. Mm -hmm. And I've met, I even met the co-pilot of the boxcar, which was uh, um, the bomber that uh, bombed Nagasaki. Uh, oh wow. So, was, um, it it was, Hiroshima. was Hiroshima. Yeah. See the history is alive in this room, <laughs> man. Oh. And it's uh, Fred O'Leary. He was, uh, he was like 1920 at the time, and um, wow. he actually wrote a book on it, and about 20 years ago he came out and gave a talk to our museum, and I have a signed copy of his book. Very so, cool. And actually, uh, <laughs> you know, those two aircraft are still around, the uh, Nola Gaze over at Dallas Airport as part of the Smithsonian, and boxcars at the uh, Air Force Museum in Dayton, so if right. anybody's out that way, don't miss them. <laughs> Shout out, Dayton, Ohio. <laughs> <laughs> Yourself, sir? Uh, for, I apologize. I keep looking at my phone, but I'm waiting for a medical update. One of our uh, senior members of the museum is uh, in the hospital oh, oh. and very serious condition. So, it, and I keep people keep wishing me Happy Veterans Day, and I keep looking to see if it's from our buddy Jack Roderick is his name. And, uh, everybody well, we hope Mr. Roderick. And he's a uh, he's a naval aviator. Not to be confused with Air Force pilots. There's right. a huge oh. difference. Don't I, know. <laughs> <laughs> I can hear the words. In the but uh, the, the museum itself, there's a couple of things. Uh, uh, up in our in our engine house, uh, we have a second floor where we uh, store is our storage area for the our archive. And what you hear when uh, people walk in is that you go, oh wow. Yeah, I said that like as soon as I walked in. And it is so cool. I mean, adults or kids, it's, oh, wow. Yeah. That and the conversations we get into with adults who shake our hands, look us in the eye and say, thank you for keeping history alive because here we go getting in trouble. They don't teach this at schools anymore. <laughs> they don't teach it at schools anymore. <laughs> and from what I understand, if, and, uh, talking to a, a couple of history teachers. They all say the same thing. Don't complain to us. It doesn't do any good. We teach what we're given to teach. Talk to your school boards, talk to your legislators. And I talk to the legislators and the legislators say, hey, my problem, it's your school board's problem. <laughs> so um, if we want to change, I don't know what's in the school history books that they teach now, I really don't. But uh, I would say most Americans don't. Yeah. Well, like I say, I had I had one young lady come in there and look at Fred Levy's uh, story. But by the way, all our the, the all our uh, individuals that are highlighted in the air, in the museum are from the area, right? From the, the, this general vicinity. But she looked at Fred's storyboard and read it, and she looked at me and she said, well, "What did Japan ever do to us?" that we would drop an atomic bomb. <laughs> I think Disney yeah. made a movie about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, a day which will live in infamy. But everybody just loves the fact that the place just reeks of history. Yeah. And then they do have the opportunity to talk to veterans out there. Right. And uh, we do every once in a while have the opportunity to walk around with people and uh, discuss the aircraft and the displays. Nice. And yourself, sir? Uh, one of the things I really like is when we do take one of the Hueys in the uh, Fourth of July parade, 
and I get to sit in the seat that I actually you know, flew in uh, as door gunner on the right hand side. Uh, so and I love to see how the people get so excited, you know. Yeah. As you know, when, as we're coming down the street, it's just you know a big. I bet it must look they, really good. All the kids and the moms and the parents on the side there with the yeah. And uh, uh, going going back to our friend Jack, uh, one, every every time I see him, I always say the same thing, and he says the same thing back to me. I say hi, Jack, and he says never say that to a pilot. <laughs> <laughs> um, that reminds me, when, I, when you walk into the Air Classics Museum, uh, the front door where the office is, um, there is the, I don't want to massacre it, but there's the seat. The ejection seat. The ejection seat that's right there. Yeah, that's, uh, that's really cool. I like that thing. I, I was just enamored with it when I'm, you know, all the intimacies on it, and yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, never say hijack. To a uh, that, is, that is not an e-ticket ride, by the way. An e-ticket ride? Yeah, you know, you, you, it's a very expensive ride. Oh, oh, like okay. Disneyland, you know. Okay. Because, you know, when the guy uh, you got it? Pulls, that, pulls that face curtain down and ignites that rocket, uh, his spine is compressed. Wow. And, you know, the guy might be a half inch shorter the rest of his life. He may, may have a bad back the rest of his life. Wow. They actually have lanyards that pull the arms and the feet in. Yeah. Because if they flail on the way out, you can lose an arm or a leg. Wow. All right, next it's question. Simple. May, may I just add oh, one? Oh, certainly, yeah, yeah. I just want to add one thing that when Jim mentioned about um, standing next to the Huey, and of course he has experience in that. We had the Huey out at uh, in Oswego when we had the uh, replica of the Vietnam Wall out yeah. there, you may recall that. Mm -hmm. And so we had our Huey helicopter out there, and we were out there most of the days, and it was just amazing to see the lines of people that wanted to get in it and touch yeah. the Huey, and many of the veterans who have yeah. experience with that uh, that would just stand there and look at it, it uh, touching as could be, but phenomenal to see the reaction. And of course, Jim was there the whole time, standing next to the helicopter and giving his experiences and answering a lot of questions about it. So it's really a special moment. I have a question. So, you know, running the museum and stuff, what can you can you say one story or something that you're like, man? like you saw that like really stood out to you I mean, I'm sure you have hundreds of things but can you you know just something that you're like man this kid or this this adult or whatever this scenario happened with some type of story you share what the again with the Huey yeah that's a very emotional aircraft uh, I've had guys come out there who haven't been close to one since they came back from now and uh, for the first time in their life, they'll, they'll sit there and the two of us get to tell them sea stories and they start dumping for the first time. You know, and so again, it's very emotional around that Huey. Yeah. And on the lighter side, the kids love that. Oh, yes. Just My love goodness it. gracious. What would you, what, you're a kid, what would you not like about it? Being in there? And, yeah. Well, we're one of the few museums that open it up. I mean, of course, we're not doing it now during the pandemic. Right. But um, pre-pandemic, we would open it up and let the kids climb inside. And you know, and my comment always to the kids is, "Keep it under nine feet." <laughs> and they look at you like, you know, just. We have had altitude records set in that. By the way. <laughs> That's funny. So. I think one of the um, really kind of special things about Air Classics is that even though we're really small compared to a lot of the big Smithsonian affiliated museums. Some of the artifacts we have are just so unique. I mean, some of the Tuskegee Airmen are artifacts are one of a kind that we have. Uh, we have uh, uh, banners from the Polish Air Force in World War II that like no other museum has. Yeah, so so you know, if, it's one of those type of things you may look at it and say, oh, you know, there's just a lot of stuff. But if you actually sit and look through it and read just a little, little the history behind it, there's a lot of things that we have that, you know, Smithsonian doesn't have or, or uh, other places because you know they're one of the kind artifacts you know so we, it's really a, a nice collection in that respect because it really gives you a different perspective rather than just going seeing a couple static aircraft and, right. uh, and a few other you know uh, art memorabilia. 
I might just add at that moment if, is that we are in the process of finishing up now a brochure that will be it will be available for 2021, which we will hand out to visitors to the museum. And it will highlight about 50 of the displays that we're discussing here that will tell, point them out and we'll, we'll number those so that visitors coming through can look up and see the number 22, for example, and look on the brochure and it'll tell you a little bit about that. And, and what it really does is it just points out to a lot of the visitors some of the real significant highlights of things that we have on display there. So that will be really helpful to visitors. Um, in the uh, where the Tuskegee Airmen artifacts are, um, there's also the location where the uh, Enola Gay, the big plane, right. it's under glass um, with Captain Tibbetts. Right. Can we talk about that a little bit? The display? Yes, yes, I really like that. And uh, Paul Tibbetts, because you guys, I, I remember I was there, you guys huh? told me a story about Captain Tibbetts that I had not known. Ooh, you weren't there that day. I don't. I don't believe. Can you tell? Uh, I, see, I, I'm not remembering that story either. Sorry. Okay. I'm trying to well, think who would have told that. Would say you, Stephen. I may have been the one who said that because I, I've been fortunate enough to, uh, when I was at on the island of Tinian. Okay. The display or the the guide that we had, we were standing next to that runway where the you know Anola Gay took off, and he was telling us that he had stood right in that same spot talking. to Paul Tibbetts about that flight and he commented he said you see the end of the runway right there he said we got within about as I recall 30 yards of it he said we needed every bit of that runway to get that airplane in the air so, but just one of those moments like wow pretty special yeah, to be that close to uh, that close to history yeah <laughs> one person away yeah, yeah that uh, particular diorama display is interesting history I was uh, one of the things I do is I, I go to hundreds of air shows, you know, over the years, and some of it is a liaison for the for the museum, some is just myself. And I was over about three years ago at the uh, Waukegan Air Show, and they just had required when the Aardvark uh, from Chanute after it closed, and they have a big veterans display at uh, Waukegan Airport. And so there were guys from the Lake County uh, Veterans Foundation, and we started talking, and, we, and I said, was mentioning that the board of the museum says, you know, I built this diorama for this B-29 with the loading and everything. It's been in my house. My wife's been bugging me to get rid of it. You want it? <laughs> and we're like, yeah, what? yeah, of yeah. course I want it. <laughs> so he, he, his wife was just so glad to have him get out of the house, and he delivered it to our museum, and that's the one that you, you saw over in there. In fact, a, a lot of our artifacts, we get that way. A guy will call up, or a wife will call up and say, hey, my husband passed away. I got all this junk, and we don't call it junk, we call it artifacts. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah. Um, we have over 300 models. You know, the guys are into model making, and, and then the wife gets on their case, get rid of those 50 models you got upstairs and stuff. So, you know, right. we're not able to display them all, but um, it's pretty cool. I mean, that's, I would say majority, probably 90% of yeah. our collection is from donations. And it's an impressive collection. Yeah. What is the, uh, what would you say the one artifact if uh, somebody's never been there, you say, you gotta take a look, you gotta see, this is the one thing you gotta see that you, you know, have to see. What would you say? I mean, and we all may have different ones. <laughs> That's a good question. I, 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 I might have just started a fight. Yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> but the one I'd like to point out is, um, it's, a, it's a bomb computer. It's called, it's labeled on it, it's a bomb site. It's, called, it's labeled a computer, bomb site. And it's it's from a British Halifax bomber, and of course we don't have the Halifax. We have a little model so they can see what it's like. Right. And we took the cover off, and it's all gear base. And you put in about five or six, or, or maybe a few more um, inputs. You know, like wind direction, altitude, speed, etc. And then it would tell them when to you know drop the bombs. And you know, and my story is when I'm telling people the story, and the kids look at it and, and you know because it's labeled computer, and they say, "Where's the monitor?" <laughs> and it's just Have a bunch of dials. <laughs> but we take the, the cover off so you can see it was all gear based. Yeah. So prior to real, com you know, what we consider computers today, they they called them computers then, but they was all gear based and stuff. So I, I think that's pretty unique. We have uh, one of eleven that were manufactured, uh, or one of twenty four. We have number eleven. 
have a line position indicator for navigation. That is, I've got the cover off and you look at it and it's just row after row after row after row of gears. And it's not lighted so you can't use it at night. It's super heavy uh, and it's big. You can't put it in smaller aircraft so eventually it was not used really at all. But all it did was give you a, a line position in your aircraft for navigation. I'm not exactly sure what that is, but it's amazing to see what was done with gears, <clears throat> just like the bombsite computer. Right. It's all done with gears, you know, analog computers. Your big battleships are the same. They've never, never really improved on uh, a battleship gun director. Right. It's all analog computers. Now those, the Halifax and that site, that's World War II era? Correct. Okay, right. And actually our, one of our, I would say, interesting exhibits is relatively new. It's still in progress. I don't know if you saw the 737 simulator. Yeah. Um, oh, the, yeah. We yeah. saw the simulator. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's starting to get put together. We haven't put together all the electronics because there's a lot of cut wires and spaghetti and stuff that have to be hooked up to the uh, computers. But... Um, that was another one that somebody was just trying to get rid of, and um, rather than get the scrap, uh, we got it around the holidays last year, and got a little bit behind because you know things closed down with COVID and all that. But uh, it's it's starting to get there, and that's something really cool because you know kids, adults can sit in the, sit in the cockpits, and it's got you know the full control panels and everything on it. So that we think that probably um, once everything gets completely done, it's going to be a, a very large attraction for the museum. So I got a couple more questions here, but I gotta, I gotta, I gotta ask and bring up the cannon. Okay. <laughs> All right, the I can, cannon. I'll, I'll <laughs> the cannon. Um, one of our board members, um, in fact, he has his own museum, but he doesn't have any place to display. And he was the person that also um, provided us the uh, World War II replicas. Right. So we have four planes, uh, P-47 and P-40. Uh, P-51 and a Messerschmitt 109, right. but that's another story. That's so another story. Oh, that was so an awesome then after game. we got those, he called up and says, well, I'm getting this cannon from um, Cook County, and I want to get it out of there before they change their mind, Can, you know. And we said, sure, we'll take it. And so I went to the Forest Preserve, and it was one of those off of uh, I-55, and it was sitting in a cement base, about a two-foot square cement base. And it just was in the middle of the forest preserve, and people were throwing garbage in the cannon and stuff. And it's on the back, it's labeled uh, a British um, BL, which stands for breech loading, 9.1. So 9.1 inch uh, diameter cannon. All right. It's about 15 feet long. And so when we got it, it sat for a couple of years on the ground on top of pallets. Um, I researched what it would take, you know, the, the carriage for it in real life was probably five times bigger than the cannon. So I said, well, we can't do right. that. Right. Yeah. So I came up with the idea is let's make a carriage like the wooden ship of old, the four-wheel carriage. Yeah. <laughs> so I contacted this engineering company I worked with before and described to them the cannon and described what I wanted to do. And their first question to me was, how much does it weigh? And I said, I have no idea. <laughs> so we engineered well, I... it with half-inch steel plate, the carriage itself is 750 pounds. Wow. So when it was made, we got it out there, and um, then we had a contractor come out to lift the cannon into it, and of course he only brought a little bobcat, and of course he could lift it about three inches off the ground, so three of us had to stand on the back bumper to get it up high enough oh, to wow. get it in the carriage. And initially the engineering company said, well, you may have to bolt it to the carriage so it doesn't slip off. Well, the cannon's so heavy that it won't go anywhere ever. Um, and it sits there and so we got it in place and it and I had to do a lot of measurements and it was a perfect fit So it, it, it fits. Yeah, and I would say 90% of the people going through if you didn't tell them that they they wouldn't realize that carriage is not what it's you know the right carriage. Yeah, I didn't I was yeah. just standing there all like yeah. oh, oh yeah. Thing, yeah. And then we cleaned out some of the garbage, but I think they're still in the back the bottom end of it You know because it's like 15 feet lines some of the original garbage from when it was in the <laughs> yeah. county forest yeah. We uh, we can't see that garbage anymore. Yeah. Yeah uh, I had for whatever reason there was a bowling ball out at the uh, museum. I it just 
in one of the sheds. So as a joke, I just brought it over to the cannon and oh, put it no. with the cannon. You know, a cannonball. Yeah. And I went out there one day and I couldn't find the can the bowling ball. And I went, nah. And I looked in down the barrel. Sure enough. Yeah. Somebody somebody yeah. rolled it. Down. Somebody yeah. loaded the can. Some kid probably trying to impress his girlfriend or something. Yeah. Watch, honey, we're gonna take him on. Let's do yeah. it. Oh, yeah. So we've, you know, the little courtyard we have, we've renamed it Cannon Court, of course. Yeah. You know, so. yeah. <clears throat> and we have a veterans uh, display out there also in um, Cannon Court. Real quick, uh, on the cannon, how did you transport this thing? Like, I mean, did you get a U Well, a tow truck could lift it. Oh, okay. So, you know, so my guess is it's, I don't know, there again, I still don't know to this day how much it weighs, but a tow truck could lift it. So that's how it came out on a, on a, on a trailer. And this is a British cannon. It's correct. a British cannon, and it's labeled 1915. So, and I've done research. I have no idea how it got over to the U.S. in possession of Cook County Forest Reserve. My guess was maybe uh, the 1933 World's Fair. I don't know. Yeah. Oh, okay. But that's a wild guess, and, you know, I haven't... That is, I mean, that's kind of, I mean, I don't know if we Yeah, have it's unusual, right? the British so, colonies or something like that. I'd be like, here, yeah. this is And it was, it wasn't, the cannon wasn't the type that would be moved in battle. It was right. more of a, a battery shore. You know, it would be put in place permanently. Siege gun. Right. Siege gun. <clears throat> um, so it wasn't like it would be an artillery piece they would take into battle because it wasn't, the carriage wasn't that type. <laughs> Right. It's a mystery. It's a mystery out there in Sugar Grove yeah. to the listeners. Yeah. <laughs> the, uh, that cannon was re-sleeved, so uh, it was probably used. If in practice or in war, we don't know, mm -hmm. but it was re-sleeved. So uh, who knows? All right. So we're going to get into the next part of the questions, but real quick, like a quick answer from you gentlemen on the following question. Uh, we'll start with you, sir. What does Veterans Day mean to you? Probably one word, admiration. Um, not having personally served, I was right between the end of Vietnam, so I had the opportunity to go to, to college and medical school, so I said, let's see how that goes. But with my uh, dad's history, and then I've really gotten to know over the last 10, 15 years, not only the gentleman in this museum, but I've worked with the DuPage Veterans Foundation, Honor Flight Chicago, and, and got to know a lot of vets. And, you know, like our friend Jack Roderick, I think if, you know, if you mention uh, Veterans Day, he's the face that pops up to me, uh, just because of his personality, what he's done, his involvement in the community, the American Legion and such. Um, and I think, you know, Looking back, people ask you, what, what do you regret in your life? I, I think it was probably not serving, because the more I've gotten to know veterans over the last you know, 15, 20 years, they get it, if you know what that means. I mean, uh, not only historically, but their commitment to the country, to our values, um, and just how to handle situations. You know, it's not, you know, haphazard. It's like, you know, these are real, honest, um, individuals who've done a lot for this country. And I, I, I will sit there at a show at the table for DuPage Veterans, whatever, and we'll just sit there and we'll talk for hours and just, just listen to their stories. So I think, you know, a day like today where a lot of people think it's a day off from school or a postal holiday, whatever it is, I just look at these guys and it's like, man, you guys are awesome, you know, and I wish more people would recognize you, um, you know, than, than unfortunately happens. Well, for me, the word is respect, and uh, my uh, brother was in the Marines, my dad was in the Army between uh, World War One and Two, and I look at uh, veterans, and to me, every veteran has a story, um, and the thing that's so amazing to me about veterans, and the reason I have so much respect for them, is because every veteran gave three years or four years or sometimes more of their life to this country and it's I mean that kind of respect is that's tremendous to me and I, I just looked and, and, and I'm, I feel very fortunate to, to be a, a involved with the museum be around veterans hear their stories uh, and the stories are phenomenal and, and also we also go to the Fox Valley Veterans Breakfast Club and we're having the veterans get up and talk 
And just to hear any veteran talk about their story, about how they got in and where they were stationed and things like that. So you get a day like this when you have Veterans Day and you just look at the respect. And that's how I look at it, the, the, the tremendous respect for anyone who is a veteran. Sir? Uh, I would say appreciation. <clears throat> um, you know, they, freedom isn't free. And I think too many people take it for granted, our country and where we're at with freedom and, and you know, and they look down on some veterans, you know, on military service. And it's like, we wouldn't be where we are today without them. My dad was in the Navy during World War II on LSDs. And um, I didn't go into the military either. The draft ended two months before I turned 18. And it started, they restarted it, I think, two years or three years after I was too old to be, have to register. So I've never had to register legally. And. Um, and even today, I have a friend whose son is in the Air Force and he flies <coughs> F-35s. And before he was um, assigned overseas, he, I actually got him to come out to the museum. And he was impressed. I mean, you know, I kind of, as a joke, sometimes describe our museum as a rinky day Because we, we're 100% volunteer. We're only open eight months out of the year. Um, our only advertisement, our website, but we still get 2,500 people through it. And, People, no matter, in spite of that, people come in and are impressed, oh, yeah. and including this um, Air Force veteran. And I, I even offered, I said, well, if you ever have anything extra you want to donate to the museum, and he said, yeah, he would think about it and stuff. So he was just over in the Mideast, um, and they only kept him there six months, and he just got back and stuff. So he was impressed, and so I'm, a, I'm Irish, so I'm a good storyteller. And I just love, you know, taking people around the museum, telling the different stories. Since I've been involved with the museum and still active with the museum the longest, I have a lot of stories from either people I met or, you know, stories yeah. I've invented. And I always try to add humor to them, too, because, you know, it helps people remember sometimes the stories. Sir, what does Veterans Day mean to you? Well, I was thinking about it, and I thought, well, oh, geez, it's uh, a day to remember. And then I'm thinking, no, I remember every day. <laughs> you know, there, it's just, I don't know if it's being at the museum where I get to talk to all these guys that we have on display out there. Uh, some of them are personal friends, you know. And, uh, and I've got to think about it now, so it's not remembering, but it's, uh, I'm proud. I'm proud of what I did. I was damn good at it. I was very good at it. The Navy trained me, they put me to work. And I was good. So, uh, yeah, I'm proud to be a veteran. And uh, people ask me about, well, I counsel teenagers mm -hmm. and uh, I tell them, you don't want to be a Marine. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to be in the Army. Hey. <laughs> you know, an Army guy. You want to join the Air Force or you want to join the Navy. You want to go in and get a saleable skill for when you get out. Mm -hmm. And they go, oh, okay, well, you're in the Navy, right? And I go, yep. And they go, well, which, you want, I should join the Navy? I went, no, I'll join the Air Force. <laughs> <laughs> Why should I join the Air Force? I said, because you'll keep your feet dry. You do. You've got three hots and a cot yep. in the Air Force. Not so much in the Navy anymore. But, uh, you know, you're uh, always at sea or doing something. Cool. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm proud. I'm proud to be a veteran. It's uh, funny because, you know, it's so close to what my dad always told me when I was, I was in the same situation as Bill. I went to register and Nixon had just stopped the draft. And he always told me, he says, well, if you go in, you go Navy or Air Force, he says, you fly or you write. None of this marching stuff. <laughs> Sailors can't march. No, not at all. Um, sir, uh, what does Veterans Day mean to you? Well, uh, like Hank says, uh, I'm proud to be a veteran. Uh, for many years after I was in the Army, it was a hush-hush thing mm -hmm. because it wasn't popular to be a Vietnam vet. Mm -hmm. We were the scum of the earth. So it wasn't until, uh, I think it was 1986, when Chicago had the Welcome Home Parade. Right. And I went to it, and since then I've been a proud veteran. It changed my outlook on things that people now appreciated us. 
so that's one thing. And uh, fortunately, I belong to a group of veterans. Uh, we're in uh, a PTSD group, and we are very close brothers. Uh, we consider each other brothers. We meet every week, and we're a very tight-knit group. And one of the main things that veterans say, sorry, means to me is remembering the 12 guys that their names are on the wall that I was with. Mm -hmm. uh, guys I fought alongside with. Right. Um, people I'll never forget. Um, I want to talk about Honor Flight. Um, and actually, I think, you know, I'd like to speak about it, but I'd like you guys to talk about Honor Flight. Um, feel free, you know, tell us about Honor Flight for those who don't know what it is. Honor Flight is for uh, veterans. Uh, it's a one-day trip to Washington, D.C., uh, where you see all the monuments out there uh, in one day. It's a little hard on you, but it's always well worth the trip. I've never been on Honor Flight. Uh, I know guys who have, and uh, they all loved it. Just can't say enough about it. If somebody else has got something to say about Honor Flight, other than it's a great organization, they do wonderful things. Right. Oh, Herschel Luckenbill. Herschel. Right. Yep. He uh, is finally going on Honor Flight. This is after having been an escort for 25 flights. <clears throat> he aged out. I think it's 65, and you cannot be an escort. Right. And the escorts pay their own way. It's not a free ride. For those who don't know, uh, Mr. Herschel Luckenbill is an asset and a boon to the community, and yeah. uh, he is a dedicated, uh, dedicated man to the veterans. Yeah, he's a he's a great man. He is a great man. Uh, I didn't know that about the escort. Uh, yep, I, I didn't know that. Everybody that goes on can either have their own escort, or if you don't have one, they will provide one. Right, a volunteer escort who, like uh, Hank says, pays their own way right. to be able to honor some veteran. <coughs> wow. um, I've had my name in for a few years now. There's so many. If for a while they wouldn't even let Vietnam vets uh, put their name in because they were working on, of course, World War II vets, right. Korean vets. Uh, so I was finally able to put my name on. And then this year there were no honor flights yep. because of the uh, pandemic. pandemic. So a few weeks ago, I had a call from Honor Flight wanting to know if they could come put a sign in my front yard. It's like one of those political signs, except for it's uh, you know it's a sign you know for Honor Flight right. about this you know, this veteran. So that's been in my front yard now. So nice. Who knows? It might be another couple of years yeah. until uh, I'm finally. And Honor Flight started what about 10, 15 years ago, and they originally would only um, have World War II vets because you know it was coming towards the end of the lifetime of the, uh, the World War II vets. Yeah. My dad unfortunately passed away before he ever got a chance to do it. Um, and the veteran that go, it's a completely free trip for right. the whole thing. And like Hank said, the escorts pay. But it's a, I think it's a nonprofit organization. And then as they wound down on the World War II vets, then they opened it to Korea, and now they're finally getting um, to the Vietnam vets. Right. And it's, you know, for some of the guys that I've met that have gone, it's, it's a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Um, that I've they, only seen pictures. Yeah. I might just add one thing. I mentioned Paul Linden a little while ago. Paul was the gentleman that got me involved with the museum. And Paul had, as I mentioned, had flown off the side pan on B-29s. Well, I used to say to Paul, and probably the other gentleman here would do the same thing, because Paul, I always said, Paul, you should go on an honor flight. You certainly have earned it. And he would say, I don't really want to take anybody else's place because I mean, in my, I've been to reunions, I've been to Washington, D.C., I've seen the memorials there and so on. I said, but that's not the point. The point is you've earned it. Anyway, long story short, he did finally go on one. And after he got back, we were talking and I just asked him, what did, what did you think? And he said, 
it was a phenomenal experience. He said, more than I ever expected. And of course, they also have a mail call when you, on the way back. They have a mail call, and so I mean, they ask everybody, family and members and friends, to write a letter to him, and he just said, that was a phenomenal moment. So anyway, it was pretty special hearing him talk about it. I want to give a little shout out to the Honor Flight um, and DuPage veterans, because have, I have a table every year at their uh, benefit. It's, it's held at DuPage Airport, usually the first Saturday in, in May. Okay. Uh, actually, it's uh, yeah, Kentucky Derby. Um, it's always held. And um, they have not only, it, it's usually a all-you-can-eat buffet, entertainment, displays of memorabilia, live auctions, and it's always packed. And a lot of times, a lot of the uh, um, pilots that have uh, warbirds housed at Aurora, DuPage, uh, Cloud and stuff, bring them in, they actually take the vets on flights, free flights and that too. But it's not expensive, it's like 20 bucks to get in for all-you-can-eat buffet and stuff, and it's a, a big fundraiser for the honor flights. So if anybody's interested, you know, look on, the, on their website and uh, for DuPage Vets Associations coming around March or April for the main thing. And it's a really, really fun event. It's also, you support a great cause. That's awesome. Sir? Well, just two things. One, on uh, Honor Flight, uh, it was the same thing. I always said, no, 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 let the old guy go. Let the old guys go. You know, yeah, let the old guys go. And the other day, my wife said, uh, Hank, hey, what? She says, how old are you? <laughs> <coughs> I went, 76, what? She says, uh, you're one of the old guys. <laughs> the other thing is uh, out of Beloit, Wisconsin, it's called um, uh, Vets Roll. Vets Roll. I was going to bring that up. But, yeah, Vets Roll. Mm -hmm. And that's a four day bus trip from Beloit to Washington. Wow. And it's uh, top shelf all the way. Yeah. And it doesn't cost you a penny. So, similar type thing, but instead yeah. of flying, you take a bus. Right. And then they also stop. Different places right. on the way. They stop at Gettysburg, uh, oh. to name one. So it's a yeah. Every it's year a is different, a little different. different. That's roll. Yeah. Yeah. It's a different thing, but it's the same purpose. Same thing. Right. Right. To get to honor veterans. Yeah. yeah that the, number I've of, the number of guys in our breakfast club have going on. Right. Hank included. Yeah. Um, now, Hank, uh, both of you gentlemen are veteran of the uh, month for the breakfast club. Is that correct? How about that? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Um, so let's talk about the Fox Valley um, Veterans Breakfast Club, please. Let us know about it. Well, it's open to all veterans. Mm -hmm. There's no dues, no rules. Right. It's just, uh, I mean, it, it's a formal club because it's a, what, what's 501. the 501C or whatever okay. like that. So it's a recognized, you know, nonprofit organization. Uh, it was originally started by uh, State Senator Bob Mitchler many years ago. And then Herschel has been president running it for, I don't know how many years, long Good time. Long time. Uh, Herschel is uh, abdicating the throne. He uh, is uh, building a house down in Tennessee, and him and his wife are going to be moving down there in April. So. Uh, as of sometime in the near future, uh, nobody wanted to, no, no, well, nobody could fill Herschel's shoes for one thing because he has done so much. Uh, so I've been on the board and uh, Herschel has uh, now made us, made three of us co-presidents, myself, uh, Bruce Peterson and Rick Gardner. Uh, so we're going to be co-presidents of the Breakfast Club now. Right. Uh, I've been a member of it since, well, I retired almost six years ago, and then after that I joined the club because it meets at seven o'clock in the morning and I was at work so I couldn't go. And we primarily have Vietnam and Vietnam era veterans because of the age group. Right. Uh, we have a number of World War II vets, uh, some Korean War vets, and not a lot, but a few of the younger vets. They're working, you know, right. most of them. So, and uh, we, when I first started, we would usually have around 40 guys show up. 
And uh, before this COVID thing hit, we were up to 80 to 90 guys on, on any given uh, breakfast morning. Where do you guys meet? Right here, right now. Good morning, Aurora. Has not got the news. How about that? Uh, we did. We did meet at Grandma's table. <clears throat> okay. Down on Douglas Road for many years, and then we we outgrew the room. We were packed in there so tight, you know, there wasn't any more room. Mm -hmm. So we we moved to the uh, Montgomery VFW post. Okay. Mm -hmm. And we were there until the COVID cool. hit. Yeah. And then just a couple months ago, we started meeting uh, one once a month. We used to always meet every two weeks. So it wasn't like twice a month. It was every two weeks. Some months we'd meet three times. Right. Just the way it felt. And uh, we we have breakfast. We uh, usually have a guest speaker. And it's mostly the camaraderie between right. all the different veterans. You know, we don't go there for the for the meal. We go there to be together. Right. Uh, so right now that we're meeting here, we've been. I think we've had three meetings here now. We right. had our last one was last Thursday, and we're getting about thirty people. It's right. way down from yeah. what you know what we did have. I, I so, have a question. Um, and this goes to the museum. What is the, and, and you guys can all answer individually, what do you guys think the number one need is for the museum? The Benjamins? Yeah, yeah. yeah. definitely. It would, it would be, be funny. <coughs> um, we are currently in the process of trying to uh, put together a proposal for a indoor building and veteran center. Um, that's in progress, so we're going through the grant process and things of that and, nature. And, and if I remember correctly, the museum, because it has been a while since it's gone, it's out. It's primarily The, the aircraft are outside. Are outside. And, yeah. that, and that's, that's the main thing we, we have in the airport, is that we're here in the Midwest, and there's a lot of wear and tear on the aircraft, uh, not only during the summer, but especially in the winter when we're closed down. Right. That requires a lot, a lot of maintenance. So in order to keep these aircraft around for another 20, 30, 40 years, um, some, we really need to have some sort of enclosure, whether it be an actual building or uh, canopies or something to help uh, protect it. So yeah, and, and like I say, we are all completely uh, volunteer run and, and uh, by donation. So that would, that, that would be the biggest thing. So if it, we'd like to invite anybody who has any interest at all to not only come out to the museum when we're open or come onto our website, so there's a a link that you can donate directly or become a member. I mean, if you, if you want to, you know, play around and help, you know, uh, repaint some of the aircraft or do some of the things that we need to have done in, in the museum, boy, we could sure use your help. Right. And we've got the aircraft are outside. We've got three buildings of exhibits that constitutes the museum. Mm -hmm. um, but, uh, if somebody were to go to the museum, how much does it, uh, is it no, adults are ten dollars. Uh, seniors sixty-two, not uh, seven dollars. Kids five to fifteen, I believe, are five dollars. So it's pretty reasonable. Yeah, and with all these grants that are out there, if you don't have salaries, they don't even want to talk to you. Or the first question on a lot of grant applications is, "What other grants have you received?" Yeah. Now we were lucky last year; we got a grant from the. Uh, Dunham Foundation, which is out of Aurora, mm -hmm. to do a feasibility study about building a veteran center slash museum. And they came back with the analysis, and so we're finalizing that report now, that shows we could have like a convention center out in the Sugar Grove area, because there isn't one really close. There's one in Wabonzi, but Wabonzi, of course, is non-alcoholic. You know, so the idea is you know, we right. could rent it out for weddings, parties, right. whatever. The Veterans Center would be then a place for the veterans to come visit, and then the museum would be a point of interest. Man, that'd be awesome. That'd and be so that awesome. was, uh, and it showed it's, it's feasible. So now that gives us the ammunition or the, you know, to go to get other grants and stuff, and we're working on those. We just received a grant 
from the DeSable De Museum. Museum. And the Tuskegee next, right? Yeah. And, and to put together a traveling display of Tuskegee Airmen. And so since we have some artifacts for that, you know, we're going to participate and help put it together. Very cool. Um, you know, we get our revenue from admission, donation, membership, and store. Um, because we don't have a hangar, like we said, we're only open eight months out of the year. This year with the pandemic, we didn't open until mid-June, so yeah. we lost uh, two and a half mo uh, months. And I, this last week I approached uh, Kane County, because part of the thing is people say, well, apply for the PP loan. Well, one of the first requirements is you have to have payroll. Well, since we're 100% volunteer, it disqualifies us. Right. So King County is maybe working on something that they're going to open up because they got funds from the federal government. If they don't use them up by the end of the year, they have to return it. That they may offer it to nonprofits. Well, so that wonderful. may be yeah. an option for us. Um, so, you know, since we're closing, I think what November 22nd for this right. year. I mean, our season's winding down, and. We made up most of the, the deficit, but we're still we're still hurting for this year. Um, you know, if people want to become a member, they don't even have you know a lot of people. Well, I don't have time, but just being a member, an annual member, would help us financially. Right. What's the cost of an annual annual membership? Um, it's 40. forty bucks for an individual, fifty for a family, and a lifetime is three hundred and fifty. Lifetime donation. Yeah, it's it's a one-time donation, and you would be a lifetime member, right, right. which gives you free admission to the museum all the time, and you know a few other minor, you know, things. But you know, like a lot of people say, they're amazed with all the artifacts we have. You know, people come in. Some people run through the museum in half an hour, but I would say on the average, it's probably an hour. Or some there's some guys that are, you know love history. It will spend three to four hours. Yeah, I got you guys' ear off the day I was out there. We were only supposed to be there from, I think, what, 10 to 11, we got to go. And, man, it was like 2 or something like that we yeah. left. That was yeah. really yeah. cool. So I reached that place. But I talk to when I'm out there, uh, they'll say, well, I've driven past this thing right. X amount of times. I yeah. never gave it much thought, but we stopped here today, and we're glad we did. Um, the time is now 9.04 a.m. and you've been listening to and watching Good Morning Aurora, the second largest city's first daily news podcast. And this has been a very fun interview with the gentleman of the Air Classics Museum yep. that we did today for a special Veterans Day. Um, what we usually do as an ending question is we uh, ask our uh, interview guests to give the message of the day for uh, the city of Aurora. Uh, we're going to do something a little bit different today uh, for the final message. I would like for you guys in a uh, brief statement to let us know what America means to you. And we will start with you, sir. Uh, what America means to me, uh, we have more freedom than anywhere else in the world. Uh, we have, I believe, the best country anywhere. Uh, we've been going through problems this year, but uh, we're still the best. Sir? I think it truly is the land of opportunity. Uh, you could come here and look at the new president uh, candidate, you know, get president-elect. Look at Harry Truman, you know, uh, hat salesman all the way up to president. So, uh, it's true. yeah, it is a land of opportunity, and it's, uh, it's, it's, it's good if you want to take the responsibility for being here. Uh, if you don't want to take the responsibility, you make it worse for the or hard on the people who do have the respect uh, and the discipline that it takes to live here. Sir? Um, I would say the freedom and, and um, it's one of the few companies with, uh, countries in the world we have the freedom. Uh, sometimes there's some dysfunction because of that, but in spite of that, our country has been successful because we, when we pull together, we win together. And, the, and like Hank said, the opportunities, you know, people, our immigrants are successful within 10 years or less. But you have to work at it. There's no such thing as a free lunch, just like there's no free freedom. Yeah, very true. Yeah. Sir? I would agree with the word freedom. I think, you know, we have the freedom to do and be whatever you want to be. 
and you have the freedom to come and go and travel and see this country. I think for those who have had the good fortune to be in other countries, uh, you, you develop a real respect for our country, for the freedom and the opportunity that each of us is given. I think the Founding Fathers had it right. Um, and I think the more people should uh, concentrate on the Constitution and what really are the values of this country, the better off we're going to be. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of that's getting obscured at this particular point, but I mean, it's it's the reference to go to. It's, you know, whether you have a religion, that you, whatever book you go to, the, you know, the Bible, Quran, or such, um, go back to the Constitution. This is what we're all about. And, you know, no matter what happens or whatever obstacles are in there, um, that's going to keep us calm. Well said. Um, this has been an excellent interview yes. with the Air Classics yes. Museum. This has been uh, this has been this has been one of the best. This has been one of the best. Thank you for having us. You're welcome. Yeah. I want to say real quick, thank you for your dedication to preserving history. Uh, I love history myself, and I uh, I just I appreciate that, um, and um, I'm very thankful for you guys. And one final shout out to Jack. We miss you, buddy. Yeah. Um, yes. We love you, and we're praying for you. Yep. Um, Veterans Day is special to us here on Good Morning Aurora, and I'm glad that we got a chance to capture you guys' story. Told you the day I, I met you, we're going to get you guys on for the interview. And Nick, Nick is a good young man, and he is who put us in touch from the very beginning. And I am eternally grateful for it. You guys are doing great stuff out there at the Air Classics Museum. And uh, God bless all you gentlemen, and we appreciate you on this Veterans Day. On behalf of the second largest city's first daily news podcast, be blessed, motivated, and powerful today. Peace.